Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And, you know, I was talking to someone today and I was like, you know, I am on episode 239 today. That is 239 conversations that I've been able to have with some amazing people and bring their tips and their tricks to you directly. So we're so glad you're here with us today. And I want to welcome Nick Hutchinson, founder of Book Thinkers Inc. Nick stands as the visionary force behind BookThinkers, a growing seven-figure marketing agency that seamlessly bridges the worlds of authors and readers. I know, I'm one of them. Nick has helped hundreds of authors expand their reach to hundreds of millions of readers, which is all authors want to do, and drive significant revenue growth as part of their book campaigns. His services include short-form short form. I can talk, I promise, short form video production, podcast booking, and social media book reviews. Now, Nick has dedicated his life to helping millions of readers take action on the information they learn and rise to their potential through his books, through his books, speaking, and personal brand as a whole. Nick, thank you so much for joining us today. Casey, I'm excited to be here. Let's make episode 239 one of our favorites. I think, well, knowing that you're a book lover and that I'm a book lover, it should be everybody's favorite. I hope so too. Can I ask you the first question today? Yes. (laughs) Well, because we just wrapped up 2023 and you and I are both book lovers, I'm curious, if I ask you, what was the best book you read last year? What comes to mind first? Ooh, this one is going to be a little different. So I read the book, The Source by Dr. Tara Swart, S-W-A-R-T. And I read the book because I heard her on a podcast. And she was, you know, we were talking before the show about neuro-linguistic programming. Well, she's a neuroscientist. And she was sharing some information that I just absolutely found fascinating about neuroscience. And I won't dig into that because we could talk about that the whole time and not talk about you. But it just, it really got me fascinated. And so I read her book, The Source. She, it's a very practical guide. You do exercises throughout. So it helps you to really absorb the information, which got me onto my next book that I'm reading right now into 2024, which is the NLP Essential Guide, which is neuro-linguistic programming. I am such a nerd. <laughs> Me too. So at least you have an audience of one that loves this subject. Well, thank you for satisfying my curiosity there and for giving me the mic for a moment. So what was your favorite book? Ah, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that question. It's I read a about a hundred books last year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I read full time, right? So I read about a hundred personal development, business, philosophy, psychology style books last year. And I probably have a top five 
But the first one that comes to mind is Be Useful by Arnold Schwarzenegger. So that was a really interesting book. It's all about taking action. And that's one of my main things. It's, it's my word of 2023, I think, was action. And Arnold is somebody who went out there and designed his dream life. I mean, when you think about somebody that grew up in rural Austria with limited access to water and plumbing, he went on to become the world's most famous bodybuilder, a business owner, a movie star, making 10 million a movie, governor of California, a celebrity. And so the power of vision about creating your own dream reality. It was a really interesting read and I enjoyed getting to know more about his story. You know, I don't know if that's one that I would have picked up if you hadn't said that just now. I, I, now I'm curious, I wanna go read it, but I don't know that it would have been one that would have drawn my attention initially. Yeah, Arnold is is not, I mean, he's had some issues, right? He, you know, mm -hmm. he's not a perfect person, but his ability to to create a reality, to bend reality, to, to leverage visualization, it was very fascinating. And he even talked about some concepts that surprised me in the book, like stoicism and a few other things like that. So yeah, it was a good one. It was a good one. Okay, you had me at visualization. Now I'm definitely going to have to go read the book because I had no idea that he was, yes. <laughs> you know, had that mindset. You know, it takes a very special mindset to practice visualization. Yeah, well, we're trading notes. So I wrote down the source and you'll have to write down, be useful. I am definitely going to do that. And I think, you know, okay, you just said you read 100 books last year. I thought it was a huge accomplishment to read 12. And it I, is, <laughs> you know, I, that's just incredible that you read that much. What? So tell us about you and what you do and what sparked your love of reading. Well, what might surprise anybody that can see my background, so I've got hundreds of books behind me. Oh, there we go, full screen. What might surprise everybody that can see my background is that I was not much of a reader growing up. So I was more of the athlete stereotype, not really much of the academic. I mean, when I was in middle school, high school, and most of my college experience, I was focused on sports. I was focused on hanging out with my friends. And like I said, you couldn't pay me to do my homework. But all of that changed for me when I was going into my senior year of college. I took an internship at a local software company. And my boss at the time, Kyle, I think he recognized some unfulfilled potential, right? That's probably a nice way of saying it. But he looked at me and he said, hey, Nick, you're wasting a lot of your time listening to the same music, the same song for the 300th time on your way here. It's not going to get you closer to where you want to be in life. But the right podcast might. So that's what I started with. I started by listening to podcasts on my commute to and from the office that summer. And what happened very quickly was that so many of the successful people being interviewed were giving at least some credit for their success to the books that they were reading. That I just kind of had this moment where I realized if I was deliberately choosing not to read these books, then I was also deliberately choosing to ignore the advice coming from the people who did what I want to do, right? These ideal mentors, these successful business people. And so I just kind of tossed the ego to the side one afternoon. I went to my local Barnes & Noble, picked up about 10 books, and the rest is history. I've been reading 50-plus books a year ever since. Okay, so how do you get a job reading? I mean... <laughs> Well, I had to build I had to build this job. So I had this internship. It was a sales internship. I graduated. I took a full-time software sales position with this company. And I had my nine to five, but I started a five to nine on the side, right? A side mm. hustle. 
because I wanted to find a way to monetize this love of reading that I had. And I knew it would be a long journey, right? I read far too many business books to think that it was reasonable to start a successful business and make a million dollars overnight. But I started slowly. And the first place that I started to explore was social media. I started posting the books I was reading on social media simply because most of my friends and family, they wanted nothing to do with this information. I mean, I couldn't stop talking about it and they did not want to hear it. <laughs> so I started posting the books I was reading on social media as a way to connect with like-minded people and to see what else was out there. And before you know it, I had this giant audience of people, right? I think in the first year, maybe 15,000 people or something like that. And authors started to reach out to me and offer to pay for book reviews. So they recognized the fact that I had a large audience of ideal target readers for their book and that maybe if I talked about it, I could sell some books. And so the business was born, right? The minute that a dollar transferred from somebody else's bank account into mine, my side hustle was properly monetized. And so that's how sort of the initial business got its legs, if you will. And so book thinkers, that's what you do full time now, right? Right. Wow. And how long have you been full-time book thinkers? So book thinkers started as a side hustle in 2017 as a legally registered business. You know, the first couple of years, it didn't really make any money. I continued to experiment doing paid book reviews, trying to get involved in different businesses. Now today, my business, I actually have 10 people on my team and we work with about 200 authors a year. So it's grown <laughs> quite a bit since then. Now, what's unique about my story, and I used to be insecure about this, but I don't mind talking about it now, is that I wanted to make the jump full-time back in 2020. And I had a mentor say, Nick, if you jump too early, if you jump off the, the cliff without the parachute fully built, then you're going to operate from a place of scarcity. Mm. He reminded me that 95% of small businesses fail in the first five years. Why? Well, they run out of money. So when scarcity enters your decision-making, you start to negotiate on your values, you compromise your integrity, and your business falls apart. So what I did was I reduced my full-time position down to a part-time job. I maintained a source of income for a while, even past the point where I hired my first three or four employees. So I've been full-time for over a year now, but I actually had employed full-time people in my agency before I fully left my, my old full-time job. Did that kind of track? Did that make sense? Yeah, that is so interesting because I'm kind of in the same position right now. I have a side hustle. My, I love how you call it your five to nine. I feel like it's like my midnight to, you know, whatever <laughs> time. And, but mine isn't necessarily engaging with people. Mine's more on the creative side right now um, to get to where I can engage with people. So I totally get it. And I, you know, and I have a, I have an employee, but I still have a full-time job, you know, but I can't mm -hmm. manage without that employee, you know, shout out to Shannon. <laughs> shout out Shannon. So I love that. And, and so many people think that they have to just go hard or go home. Right. And you've just given them permission to take it as, as, as fast or as slow as you need to, because it's, it is true. Like when you're making decisions from a scarcity mindset, the, the outcomes are going to be different than what you might want. So I, I think that's really interesting that you brought that up. And so tell us a little bit about what Book Thinkers do, does, because I know, we know you work with authors, but how do you work with authors? 
Yeah, so today we help authors promote and market their nonfiction or personal development style books. And there's sort of three core things that you highlighted during the introduction. Most of our revenue comes from short form video content. So we'll actually fly out to an author with the cameras and the lighting and the video scripts, and we'll help them turn their physical book into 50 or 100 pieces of professional short form video content. Now, short form video content sort of means under 60 seconds per video so that the video is shot vertically and it's a good fit for Instagram, TikTok, YouTube shorts, Facebook, even LinkedIn, X, all the platforms these days. And oftentimes the authors that we're working with, they use their book as a lead mechanism for something else, something higher ticket, coaching, consulting, speaking, courses, some other type of business. And so that represents a big chunk of our revenue. Number two, we do a lot of podcast booking because podcasts like this are such a great opportunity to talk about your story, to develop a relationship with the audience. And then if they resonate with it, they'll buy your book and get involved in your network at the end. I, I just mentioned three, I did that. Yes, yes. Yeah. And it's it's such a great, it's podcasts are such a great way to distribute information. And then number three, we do book reviews. We still do book reviews. Now it's changed a lot, right? Since the original $10 book reviews I was doing. Now we reach over a million people a month organically with our reviews. But uh, yeah, you can pay us. You can get involved with our network. You can be on our podcast. We can review your book and have a lot of fun with it. So question, as an author, published author, do paid reviews hold as much credibility as organic reviews or do they hold more? It's a great question. Uh, I think that you, I think there are pros and cons to both. So when I'm talking about reviewing the book, I'm talking about reviewing it on social media. I'm talking about reading the entire book and then sharing with my community what my thoughts are. And it's a large audience that I've spent thousands of hours cultivating. But if it's the target audience for your book, I think it's absolutely worth paying for a review. Now, as far as Amazon reviews are concerned, do not pay for an Amazon review. Because if Amazon finds out that you've paid for a review, you can get your author account taken away. It will become penalized or blacklisted. You cannot pay for something like an Amazon review. But pay to get in front of somebody's audience that they've spent thousands of hours cultivating and organically growing. Absolutely. I think it's a shortcut. Otherwise, you have to do all of those thousands of hours of work yourself, you know? Yeah. No. Okay. I absolutely see the difference now in that, you know, it... Try. I absolutely see the difference now in that, you know, the difference between like an Amazon review versus a, can we get the two screen? Thank you. Thought it was the volume. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, so I absolutely understand the difference now in doing the review for Amazon. Cause that's what I was thinking in my head is like, you go do a review there versus actually not necessarily reviewing, I see why you call it that, but sharing with your community about a particular book or, you know, an author's journey or something that makes way more sense. So thank you for explaining that. That. Absolutely. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I get what you're saying too. A lot of people are like, well, why should I have to pay for that? You know, but at the same time, you just said something so incredibly important. You've spent thousands of hours building your community. It's like you're collapsing the timeline to success 
for me, if I were to choose to go that route, um, to get in front of more people that I don't have to cultivate. Exactly. It's like paying to skip the line, right? The VIP entrance. So sometimes people ask me, Nick, how old are you? Now I'm 30 years old, but if you include all of the books behind me that literally condense decades of somebody else's mm. lived experience into days, I kind of jokingly say I'm thousands of years old, right? Because I've consumed thousands of years worth of condensed wisdom in different disciplines and put that into my brain. And so you could build your own social media community, but that might take 10 years or you can pay to skip the line. You condense a, you can condense a decade's worth of building into one transaction. And so a lot of the authors that we serve, they find a direct positive ROI in our book review service purely because we can sell a lot of books and we can lead people to the other things that they offer, coaching, consulting, speaking, things like that. Absolutely. I love that. And I'm, you know, I tell people all the time, I run an organization here locally. Um, it's a networking organization. And one of our special interest groups are the young executives. And for our young executives, we provide mentorship, mentorship opportunities with our more senior level executives, right? Because we've got people that are running Fortune 500 companies here. And so they have access to that. And I'm like, take advantage of that knowledge. They are collapsing the timeline to your success. And I Absolutely. that's exactly what you're talking about. So I'm really curious. Okay, well, I have several questions for you, but the first one that I want to know. So you read a hundred books last year. How do you retain all that information? That's a great question. I don't retain all of the information, um, but I definitely retain a lot of it. You know, I think that when I was first starting my reading journey, it, it became very apparent to me very quickly that I was struggling with retention. So I started to seek solutions to that right books solve problems so was there a book on retention was there a book on how i could retain more from these other books i was reading and yes i did find a few resources one of the first books i read was called unlimited memory by grandmaster kevin horsley now kevin has become a, a mentor of mine a business coach of sorts but when i first read his book it blew my mind i mean kevin grew up in south africa he had some learning disabilities he was labeled as uh, dyslexic, couldn't read a book, but decided he wanted to understand how our brains work and if he could go out there and build this memory, organization of information. And now check this out. He actually won something called the Everest of Memory Championships, where he memorized the first 10,000 digits of pi. So oh, a judge would say, him. what's digit number 7,221? And he would know it like that. And so I started to leverage a lot of the techniques in Kevin's book, like spaced repetition and the fact that repetition leads to retention. It's not a memory problem. I mean, we could read a new book every day for the rest of our lives and still have space. It's an organization problem. We were missing a strategy. And so I can talk about some very specific uh, things that I do if you'd like, but that's kind of like how I got involved in the memory space. Oh yes, please. Could you give us like one or two ways that you do that? Cause I want to know personally. Yep. So when I first started reading these books, again, I was struggling with the retention piece and I was trying to read as many books as possible. And then one day it hit me like, what are you actually optimizing for? Are you optimizing for reading a hundred books a year? Just checking a box. Are you, is that why you're reading these books? And I realized like, no, I'm reading these books to take action, to solve problems, to build skills, to satisfy curiosity. 
So I sort of reframed my goal for reading books. All of a sudden it went from, I want to retain just in my brain as much as possible and check the box to, I want to take action on one or two things from every single book that I read. So now when I'm reading a book, I start by setting a SMART goal for each book that I read. And so SMART is an acronym for anybody that's not familiar with it, that stands for specific, so your goal needs to be specific, measurable, what's not being measured can't be managed. You need to set a measurable goal for each book. We'll talk about what that looks like. A stands for attainable, meaning realistic. I think a lot of times people get overwhelmed with what a book can do for them, so they don't take any action at all. R stands for relevant, meaning you need to be emotionally connected to the book and the solution that it's gonna provide for you. And T stands for time bound. You want to give yourself a deadline for taking action. So if I was going to read, uh, let's just say the source, uh, which I haven't read yet, I might set a smart goal, something like find and implement at least two new, I'm not even sure what the book is about, but two new brain strategies by the end of the month or something like that. And so I write that intention, that SMART goal, that is specific, measurable, attainable, relevant to my life and time bound on the inside cover of the book. And I review it every time I read a few more pages so that I can share my goal with the book. The book can share the information back with me. I tell my reticular activating system, here's what to filter for, a very specific type of action, delete everything else, and only share with me what I can implement. And so how do I retain information? I retain it by taking action on it and by integrating it into my life. And then it becomes part of me and it's impossible to forget. So much right there. Uh, Smart goals, reticular activating system. So I know what that is, but for those that might not, and we've talked about it on the podcast, probably ad nauseum, but for those who might not know what the RAS does for you, why don't you tell us why you just brought that little gaba goo that's in the back of our brain up? Yes. So it's, it's kind of nicknamed like the brain's filtering system. And so for everybody that's listening or watching right now, look around the room and, and look for something red. Look for something red. Just spend a moment. How many things can you find that are red? Now close your eyes. How many things were green in the room? Well, you're like, well, you didn't tell me to look for those, <laughs> right? Now look for everything that's green. Now, how many things were purple, right? You're still not filtering for the right things. And so our brains can delete all of the other inputs and just allow us to see what we focus on. And that skill set can be applied to the books we're reading. And I think, you know, it's kind of a yellow car metaphor too. You know, if, if I say yellow car and you're in the car right now listening to this, you probably see a yellow car and it's like, whoa, did you just manifest that? <laughs> probably not. It was probably always there, but you're now filtering for it. And what's cool about the RAS, the reticular activating system, is you can layer incentives on top of it. So if you think about, okay, last week on your commute to the gym, how many yellow cars did you see? Well, I don't know. I don't really re- recall seeing any. Okay, next time you drive to the gym, what if you were being paid $50 for every yellow car that you saw? Okay, now there's an incentive for me to focus on yellow cars. I bet you'll tell me exactly how many you saw next time you drive to the gym. And so again, it's this focus and filtering mechanism that we have. And I'm just shocked that more people don't apply it to the books that they're reading. Okay, and so... I am a big RAS proponent. I usually, when I'm coaching people, the first thing I do is teach them how to set their intentions, right? Using the RAS. I've never thought to do that when reading a book. 
That's brilliant. And I love that you write your smart goals now that, on the inside. Yeah, now that you know about it, now that you can start to focus on it and write these goals on the inside of the book, watch how, how different the reading experience is. It's like every page you're leveraging anticipation. Is it going to be on the next page? Is that thing that's going to solve my problem on the next page? You get super specific. And you don't get surprised either because you expect to find it. It's a lot of fun. I, I'm going to go home and read tonight. <laughs> I'm like super excited about this now. I love this kind of, and it's really kind of a brain hack. You know, I love brain hacks. It's all part of that neuro-linguistic programming type of stuff. And this is brilliant. I think this is going to take my reading to a whole new level. Watch out, world. Um, I'm already, every time I start a conversation, it's usually like, I just read a book or I just listened to a podcast, <laughs> you know, I'm sure you've got to be the same way. Oh, I am the same way. Absolutely. So, all right. So I know you love to read, but how did you translate that into helping and what inspired you to help others learn how to take action on the information they learn? Well, as I started to post these book reviews, uh, eventually, I, I suppose it's kind of funny, followers, right? What a vanity metric. But I suppose once I had enough followers, people thought, oh, Nick Hutchison, he's the reading guy. I bet he knows everything about reading. And so people would send me all sorts of questions about the process. How do I choose the right books? How do I retain more from the books I'm reading? How am I supposed to take notes? What do I do with my notes? I mean, just tons and tons of questions. And you know, now we have hundreds of thousands of followers across our different social platforms. So as you can imagine, I've received thousands of questions over the years. And uh, it just, in order to be of value to my community, I had to start researching and answering these questions so that I could be of value and provide service. And I kind of wish there was a book that I could just send everybody to, a book about reading books, but it didn't exist. And so a couple of years ago, I decided to start writing my first book, Rise of the Reader. And I wanted to answer all of those questions. And so every time somebody would ask me something about the reading process, I would say, okay, there it is. I've got to answer that in the book. And uh, yeah, so I stumbled into it. Like I said in the intro, I wasn't much of a reader growing up, but now I genuinely believe that the right book at the right time can change somebody's life permanently oh. and for the better. And so that's why I'm such an advocate. I... You know what? You're you're like my soulmate. I'm sorry. If you have a soulmate, tell them they have to go away because this is like a mirror here. I love listening to, you know, I, and it's rare that you find somebody that likes to read as much as you do. Um, we were just having this conversation in the green room earlier about, you know, what's your earliest memory of reading? And I can remember, you know, I started reading at a very early age and I, I distinctly remember mom used to read to us every single night. And I remember when she was reading us the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, but she would only read a chapter and it would make me so mad because I wanted to know what was going to happen. And so I would ask mom to leave the hall light on because I was scared, right? But I would always shut my door and I would sneak the book into my room and I would sleep on the floor and read by the crack of the light coming in from the hallway. That's amazing. And... I, I had to have been maybe six years old, maybe. So. That's amazing. Yeah, my my I have memories, pretty early memories of my parents, both of them reading to us. My dad would do a lot of creative storytelling and he would use different voices and things like that. And you know what? I fell out of love with reading 
probably from middle school through most of my college experience. And I think one of the reasons was that I had a lot of social anxiety when I was younger. I, I, I had a fear of what other people were thinking, right? I, I thought everybody was always judging me and making fun of me. And so in subjects like English or history or a foreign language where you're up in front of the room and you're presenting, that created a lot of insecurity, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. And so I avoided those subjects. I did everything I could to stay home sick or uh, you know, pay somebody else to present on my behalf or whatever the case was. I just, I did not want to read. And um, I also didn't enjoy being judged on my thoughts of a book, like being told what to read and then being told that my thoughts were wrong about it. And so I didn't realize that the personal development existed back then. I mean, we we're reading a lot of like, you know, the classics and stuff. But anyway, I think there are some things that the school system could probably do to make sure that that doesn't happen because I love reading. And if I, if I didn't stumble into that internship, maybe I'd be on a podcast somewhere talking down about reading today instead of how much I love it. That is so insane. It really is. Cause I mean, could you imagine not reading today? I know. As part yeah. of your life? I would not, I would not nearly be as healthy, happy, wealthy, you know, I wouldn't be enjoying my life as much. I can tell you that. That is crazy. So you mentioned your book, Rise of the Readers. And I love that you took us through the process of how you developed that. Because I know sometimes authors really struggle to get their message out there. But it sounds like you were yours was like, nope, that's there. That's there. That's there. So, oh, Nick, I am loving this so much, this conversation about books. I could talk to you about it all day. But unfortunately, we're about to run out of time. So I, I'm, I'm going to be really curious to hear your answers to our VIP questions as much reading as you do. So are you ready for those? I'm ready for those. We'll see what comes out. Okay. So if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? Well, I would bring my wife. So you asked if I had a soulmate. I do have a soulmate. I would bring my wife. We just got married last year. Oh, congratulations. Uh, I didn't mean anything. Yeah, thank <laughs> No, I know. And thank you so much. And, and you know, I think that assuming this happens in the future and that we don't colonize Mars within the next couple of years, you know, I'll bring my future kids, but that's bucket. Number one is family. Number two, I'd have to bring my library. And so I don't know if that's a cheat, you know, it's not an individual book, but I'd have to bring my entire library. I think that it would be important for the people of Mars to start reading and implementing personal development books. <laughs> and, uh, Let's see, I have so many other hobbies and stuff, but I'll, I'll say number three, I need to bring my photo album and my video album, my phone, because I travel the world. I live an experiential life. I love to, to experience new foods, new cultures, new crazy adrenaline experiences. I mean, you name it, I've probably tried it. And I live through those memories. You know, I think that there's a great book called Die With Zero by Bill Perkins, and he talks about memory dividends. When you experience something once and you relive it consistently, it will pay out dividends just like an investment will when you get the joy a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth time. And so I love all the experiences I've had, and I'd make sure that I bring my digital family photo album. That is brilliant. I love that. <laughs> um, okay. What is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? Now, Casey, I'll admit I am one of those people with a very long, very crazy morning routine that includes a half a dozen, maybe a dozen different things. But I'll say the first thing that comes to mind is my morning walk with my dog. I mean, every single morning, the first thing I do is I go to a local park. It's about 50 acres. It's it's wooded. It's trails. There's no one there. And I walk with my dog. And 
that gets the exercise endorphins flowing. It gets some sunlight in my eyes before I drink my caffeine. I breathe in the fresh air. I never wear headphones, so I'm alone with my thoughts. It's a walking meditation of sorts, and it's the best way to kick off my day. So that's what I do. I love that. And one of these days, we're going to have to talk about the rest of your routine. I'm very curious yes. about that. So It is lengthy. <laughs> so is mine. <laughs> All right, my final VIP question. If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? How to enjoy the passage of time. How to enjoy the passage of time. Seven words. Okay, I like it. All right, so tell me now, I know uh, people are going to want to get your book, Rise of the Reader. Where can we find it? How can people get in touch with you, follow you? Where's the best place to connect? The book is available in every major online retailer. So pick your poison. You should find Rise of the Reader at your favorite online retailer. And then as far as how people can get involved, our most vibrant, most interactive community is on Instagram at BookThinkers. I think today we have about 165,000 followers over there. Every day we're sharing a new book recommendation and you'll see a dozen, couple dozen comments in the comment section. You can get involved, share ideas, communicate with other people. And then from there, there are links in our bio to everything else. Okay. I'm going to have to, I'm not so good on Instagram. I really have to get better, but I will go on Instagram for this because this is something that it sounds like I will really, really enjoy and learn from. So yes. And today you'll see my first ever book review from the cold plunge. So you'll have to check oh, that out. Oh, like an actual cold plunge. You did the cold plunge. Yeah. With ice and everything. And it took me a little while to catch my breath, but I did a book review while sitting in the ice. So you'll have to check that out. <laughs> You're crazy. <laughs> I am. <laughs> no, you weren't kidding about that adrenaline stuff. Yeah. That's probably mild compared to some of the things you've done. So that might be a whole nother podcast about addiction to adrenaline. All right, <laughs> Nick, I have loved this conversation. I am so excited to see how the book does, where you go in the future, follow you, be a part of your community and just, you know, share a love of reading. Yes. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. I am, I am grateful for it. And I really enjoyed our conversation as two book lovers. Well, Nick, one last thing to say to you. You are a VIP. Yes, I am. Thank you very much. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.